This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Welcome, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM, WSFI Catholic Radio. And this month, I have the great pleasure of hosting a a friend, Teresa Oliveira, who I met quite a number of years ago, probably about eight years ago. And I met Teresa uh, through another friend, Monique, um, who is part of a rosary group, uh, would gather, they're part of the same parish. And uh, we met uh, one time to pray the rosary. And uh, I just remember being struck by Teresa's story. And recently in prayer, the Lord put her on my heart. And that's how these radio shows come to be, is the Lord puts people on my heart. And I go, okay, I'll invite that person and see if they will agree. And so um, Teresa did agree to come and share her beautiful witness of faith in the midst of a lot of suffering. So welcome, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you, lady, for inviting me. This is a blessing, a blessing to be able to share my, my story. So, you know, I always start these stories um, by, by beginning at the, at the very beginning of your story, right? I want, I want the listeners to know, how were you raised in the faith? What kind of faith foundation did you have as a child growing up? Sure. Uh, well, I feel I was blessed to be born in a Catholic family for many generations back, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. So that, that definitely is a blessing. Not only they were Catholic, but they practiced their faith. Yes. So I have great examples of that, and, uh, and I feel blessed. The other wonderful thing is having been born in Mexico, which is 90% Catholic, a Marian country. And so I grew up among learning about saints and going to Our Lady of Guadalupe Shrine, where this beautiful miracle happened. So that, that was a big blessing for me. I always tell the story that uh, my mom uh, got pregnant with me. I'm the youngest of nine. And uh, when she got pregnant, she was in her mid-30s. So she was worried about the pregnancy. And she said, if I have this healthy child, I will name her after uh, Mary. So she did. And that's my middle name. Maria, I like Mary, Teresa, and Guadalupe. So beautiful. <laughs> Three names. Good, good Mexican name there. I love it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, I think, inspired her. I would need eventually in my life the three saints to, to get me through. Absolutely. So, you know, you shared with me in your in your history that, you know, both of your parents practice their faith. What what do you want to share about your father's devotion and your mother's devotion? Sure. I love to, to share stories about uh, my father was devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and always to the first Friday every month, devotion, going to Mass, obviously Holy Communion, confession, and and then we will visit the cemetery. And then my mother was devoted to Our Lady, and she will always have a rosary in her hand. It was beautiful seeing her praying the rosary and holding the rosary, especially in difficult moments. But my two boys, when they were young, they little kids, they're always uh, afraid of the darkness and... So they always knew how to tiptoe into grandma's room. She to spend uh, seasons with us, and so she will tip, they will tiptoe into her room and grab the rosary and hide it under their pillow. Yeah, and so basically, you know, I heard you say it at the very beginning, which was that they practiced their faith. Mm-hmm. And I want 
our listeners to really take that in because I think oftentimes people wonder why their children fall away from the faith. And it's because if they don't see you practicing the faith, they often struggle to go, well, if mom and dad or mom or dad don't really practice it, they tell me they believe, they say they're Catholic, but they're not practicing it. Why should I, right? Why should I practice or really follow the Lord? So that was a great gift that you were given, that both your parents practiced the faith, witnessed in their actions with the holding of the rosary or the First Friday devotions, and it was embedded in your heart, right? It changed who you are because they literally raised you with that foundation of faith. What a great gift. They did. They did. I, I understand. Uh, I mean, I was one of those kids that, okay, I don't have to keep going to Mass every First Friday or I, I mean, yes, like that. But I think having that, as I call it, the background of your soul and your story of life, it's, it's helpful. It's very, it's very helpful. And yes, I also fell away myself. And I think a lot of young people fall away during the years of college and you're trying to figure your own, your own journey out. And so, yes, the foundation is very important because it will bring you back. Exactly. It's that continuous relationship with God and, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit. So tell me about schooling. Where did you go to school? Like, were you raised in a Catholic setting in that regard? Yes, yes. I, I, uh, another gift. Uh, my parents were always strong believers of Catholic education, uh, that is strong formation and, and as you say, foundation for life. Um, so we all, my siblings and, and I attended Catholic school since kindergarten through college. At some point in my life, I wanted to be a missionary. I loved hanging around with the nuns from uh, junior high and going to the towns and, and the villages to to sort of like catechize and so again another gift that was given to you by your parents and not everyone can afford to send their children to catholic school but when you can it can be another part of the gift that you're given as a child um, along the faith journey you know it, it reinforces our faith when we get to speak about god during the school day etc so you had a great catholic upbringing when and how did you meet your husband my future husband in my senior year of college, uh, I met him through my future mother-in-law. She thought that her son will be a perfect fit for me and that I will be a perfect fit for him. She was right. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed. So we got to meet each other and immediately it was like perfect connection there. We, like I always share the importance of coming from the same background and sharing the faith and, and all those things that are so important in a, to have a strong foundation in a relationship that you wish would last a life, lifetime. So I met him and it was a long distance relationship and like I was joking with you, not because of a pandemic situation, but because I was in Mexico and that was the late 80s and he was here in Chicago finishing his medical school. So there was very uh, small windows of opportunities that we could meet. But two years later, we got married in a beautiful parish in, in my hometown in the north of Mexico. And in this story began there in 1988. Beautiful. Just 32 years of marriage. Oh, praise God. What a, that's another gift, another gift from God. So yes. I know that part of your story during your ceremony, there was a beautiful image you kept looking at. Oh, yes. <laughs> I call that my saving grace. I was holding on to Mary for the whole hour and a half that uh, 
the ceremony lasted. It was beautiful, beautiful. Like I said, in Mexico, every church has a beautiful image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and this was not the exception. And I was marrying a guy that I barely knew with long distance and moving to a country that I didn't know the language and I was leaving behind my family and friends, my culture, everything I knew all my life. So I was, I remember I was looking at her eyes saying, please, Mary, you come with me. How beautiful. <laughs> I, I hold my hand and let's go together in this journey that we are about to begin. And, uh, and so she did. She did. I, every day I thank her or never leave me, leaving me alone. That's interesting. You know, my, um, my wedding day, I also had a, a similar prayer in my heart and I left my bouquet, uh, uh, flowers at the altar of Mary asking mm-hmm. her mother, Mary, please be with us because I know we're going to need you. And I didn't know how much I was going to need her <laughs> until later. So, um, another gift from, you know, our, our Hispanic background, that that devotion to Mother Mary was part of our upbringing and really has come to play a very big part in both of our lives. So thank you for sharing that. So our first son came, he was a gorgeous guy, Arturo, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> After his dad, Arturo, and then Victor uh, was born in 1992. And then a few years later came our princess, Sophia Marie. And uh, so we had three kids. And it was a blessing for us to be living in this community. We chose to move from the city at the beginning of our marriage. We were living in Chicago and one of these gorgeous high-rise apartment building apartments. And then we decided to move to the suburbs and we chose Glenville, which is a beautiful suburb here in the north of Chicago for those who are not from around. And, uh, and it's a wonderful community, very a strong community, very united and supportive. So I felt welcomed. And those times, being Hispanic, moving into this little suburb and not knowing the language very well wasn't very, very easy or, or as common as it is now. And so I felt it was a blessing. And on top of that, we had this beautiful parish, which is one of the largest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, Our Lady of Perpetual Health. And... That was another blessing for me, a gift from heaven. Welcome to raise my family here and then being part of this parish. So that's where the kids began going to school also. Okay. And so I know that you said during this time, you called those the glorious years. Yes. Right. (laughs) Everything seemed to be just going so beautifully. And then then things changed. What happened? Indeed. Indeed, things changed. I never thought that I was, going to have all these beautiful gifts in life and being married to this wonderful man and having these gorgeous, healthy, happy children and living in this amazing community. So every day was a gift, a gift from heaven. And I was immensely thankful for that, which I'm still are. Exactly. (laughs) But those were the glorious years. Those were the years where you take for granted that life will be wonderful every day and that you will see your children growing up healthy and and you enjoy a family forever and it wasn't the case it wasn't the case uh it was a beautiful spring day in may uh may 25 of 2004 i was finishing some chores at home and then it was time to pick up the children at school 
Victor and Sofia, the two younger ones, were going to Our Lady of Perpetual Health. We had already transferred Arturo to a junior high of only boys, Catholic school too, but only boys. So I was picking up Sofia and Victor. Victor at that time was uh, 11 years old. It was Memorial Day and it was a beautiful spring day. Kids go to the dairy bar and get together. So he rode his bike to the dairy bar and I went to meet him there and remind him he had a doctor's appointment and we'll meet at the doctor's office. Well, we never got to meet again. Uh, as I was turning around, I heard there was an accident by the train tracks and uh, you know what, in your heart as a mother starts like palpitating so hard that I could, I could barely drive. But there was a lot of kids around, a lot of people crossing and a lot of elderly people too. So I didn't anticipate it. I was holding Sophia in my hands as we were running to the train tracks to find out what had happened and hoping that Victor will be there that he couldn't cross to come to the dentist and that's why he didn't get there. Unfortunately, God had other plans for us. Life had other plans. And that was the last time we saw Victor at the dairy bar. And uh, Sophia, I was holding her in my hands. She was about to be six years old. And um, it was a tragic moment. And, and tragic moment for us as a family, it was, it totally changed our lives yeah. forever. How could it for not? Yeah, whatever. Um, and he he did not die immediately. No, he didn't die immediately, although he was totally unconscious because the train pulled the, um, from what we understand it happened. I mean, I, this might not be the exact way it happens, but there was not a pedestrian gate. Okay. So by the time we assumed that he heard the train coming, I mean, it was middle of the day, it was a lot of, noise because the schools were ending at 3.15, so a lot of traffic as always. So we believe that he didn't hear the train coming. And since there was not a pedestrian gate, when he realized the train was coming, it was too late. So the front of the train sucked his, uh, the front wheel of his bike. And yeah, and, and that was it. So he was totally unconscious by the time I got there. And I wasn't able to hug him because, or get near him because the paramedics were there working on him. So it was, it was awful. I mean, I can can't even imagine. I yes, sometimes I feel like I forgot a lot of details, but one that I remember uh, very often it's uh, Sister Polan. She is the nun on on our parish, and she's uh, we call her our own saint in Glenview. She was there when he heard, when she heard there was an accident, she ran to the train tracks and she was there and she was holding me back, hugging me. And mm. I think the, she sustained me through that moment and until we got to the hospital and I had, I had some hope that we will see him again alive. But then he went to the, to surgery. It was a gift that the pastor of the church came and gave him a blessing. So all of a sudden, your glorious years came to a halting stop. Yeah. And yeah. so I... Sorrowful years. That was the these, beginning of your sorrowful years. The beginning years. of your sorrowful years. So it's, it's time for a break. But um, I want our listeners just to 
here that here Teresa comes on the show as a woman of faith. And despite this tragedy, she's here to share a witness of faith. And um, so there's much more to her story. Um, So don't go away. Uh, We'll be right back after this short break. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. A prayer for deliverance with Father John Grigas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels, and we come against any influence of the occult or the New Age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, the children, their grandchildren, the nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, and families, and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices, and we invoke Mother Mary also and all the saints in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners, and may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May He send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them, and may our Mother Mary place her mother in the mantle to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in Genesis after the fall. Amen. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm here with Teresa Oliveira, who has been sharing her faith journey with us, her story of loss, and we had just gotten to the part where her 11-year-old son, Victor, had been struck by a train, tragically, and now you're sitting in the hospital, and you're praying that he's going to come through this surgery. What happened next? We were sitting there in the, uh, in the emergency room, waiting room, as people were coming in, family, friends, priests. We were praying the rosary so, I mean, holding that rosary and praying, trusting that God will get him through it. But it was very short after he got into surgery that the nurse came out. My husband at that time thought they were coming out to tell us how he was doing. And I was terrified when I saw them of what news would they give us. Indeed, they came out to say that they had lost him oh. very shortly at the beginning of the of the surgery. I I asked if we could see him immediately, and the nurse said, um, "Well, let us get him ready. We need to clean him. We just finished the surgery." And as the nurse was turning around, I thought I should be the one cleaning my son. <laughs> His body is. I mean, I should be the one doing that. And I asked came out of my bottom of my heart um, and 
the nurse looked at me. I remember a little bit puzzled, but I guess as a mother, maybe she was a mother too. She couldn't say no to me. And I found myself in front of my son, um, cleaning him and praying to him and asking him to help us get through the rest of our lives without him. I think this came as a Holy Spirit gift after I had watched the movie. I don't think I, I think I mentioned to you uh, before that uh, that famous movie of Mel Gibson came out in the spring of um, in Easter of 2004. And I remember seeing Mary's image walking behind Jesus, her son, and just quiet, accepting his death on the cross and his suffering and lovingly watching him and and just being there with him. I think that image came to me as an example of how I should live my life. Wow, that's a beautiful, a beautiful... Uh, and that was the beginning. <laughs> understanding of, yes, how Mary, the mother of sorrows, right? As her son was the man of sorrows when he went through his suffering and death for us, out of love for us. And she endured it along with him, out of love because she knew it was what God the Father was asking for the salvation of souls, for the salvation of the whole world. And so the fact that that image came to you and that you were able to ask for the gift to be there and to clean your son's dead body, I mean, what, mm-hmm. a, what a precious moment, an incredibly hard moment, but a gift, again, from your faith. Most mothers wouldn't be able to do that, Teresa, but you were given the grace to do it. And for that, I'm forever grateful because I think, I think we all believe that faith is a gift. Yeah. Not everybody was, not everybody is born or live with this faith. It's a gift. And as a gift, I treasure it with all my heart. Exactly. And so now here you were living this glorious existence, everything seemed to be right, and then your your life changed drastically at this moment. And these are what you call the sorrowful years, the sorrowful part of the journey. So yeah. what what how did how did you move forward from this day? I can't even imagine the sorrow. Well, how did we move forward? We moved forward with a lot of trust and surrendering. And it came clear to us that without faith and without unifying our stance, and we would not be able to get through it. Um, Art and I, we both continued to ask the question, how would we live the rest of our lives without Victor? But God has a plan for all of us. And at the beginning of those days at home, when parents that are listening to this will remember when a loved one dies, then that doorbell is continuously ringing and flowers and food and visitors and prayers become your life mm-hmm. and it was one of those days that it was very hard for me to be at home and, and not being able to feel close to to victor that i was like i like to walk to the train tracks i'd like to be where i last saw him and the first thing that i had next to me was a rosary so i grabbed the rosary and came down the stairs and said i'm going to the train tracks anyone would like to come with me of course my husband was next to me and and we started walking together and when we looked back there was everybody was following us 
that was a beautiful image I never forgot since that since that day on people have been so supportive to us that um, that's a, an immense gift also to be grateful for so we got to the train tracks praying the rosary and we stayed there for a while we were all praying a lot of those people have never prayed the rosary and since then they started praying the rosary so that's how we got through it exactly praying the rosary <laughs> that's a, that was a long answer to your question that's a beautiful answer such a beautiful answer and we got to it praying the rosary together my husband and i started praying the rosary together every day it's been 16 years obviously he goes to work early so he prays it on his way but on the weekends we pray the rosary together we meditate on the mysteries and we continue to pray god to hold us because if we i mean i would love to say that that was after that our life became glorious again no that was the beginning of another Calvary that we never in our, well, our wildest dreams anticipated would happen to us. Yeah. So this next part of Teresa's story is equally challenging in many ways. But again, it's, it's so important for people to hear these stories of tragedy, of challenge, of Calvary lived because many of us do experience great losses and tragedies in our lives. And many people lose their faith again through tragedy. They get angry or bitter or whatever. And thanks be to God, Teresa has held on to her faith, uh, largely through her devotion to our mother Mary and the rosary, which is a great gift. So what happened next in this journey with your family? What happened next is... A very sad story. The loss of our oldest son, Arturo. At that time, he was 13 years old. A very challenging age yes. for a boy mm -hmm. to find himself in this position of having lost his brother in such a tragic accident and yes. under terrible circumstances. He described later on that seeing me without a sparkle in my eyes because I had passion for life and every and everything I did yes. was killing him and filled his heart with fear. He became very fearful and his only way to escape began by using um, alcohol, abusing alcohol. So while my husband and I were grieving and holding on to the rosary and prayers to continue our life and to have our survival children Arturo and Sofia live a normal life and as they were growing up without their brother our son Arturo was not <laughs> buying this this part of the story he was like I'm gonna do it on my own because he was very fearful that his life had changed completely and he will never had his parents the way we were before yeah. which in a way he, he was right and unbeknownst to us, he looked—he apparently looked very healthy and, and strong and put together, and he was doing well at school academically. But unbeknownst to us, he, he was not. His behavior was erratic when he was outside of the house. He was abusing alcohol. He was going away from the house at night without us knowing and getting together with people that were not really helping him. Yeah. Grieve. 
And so what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, he had a deep wound in his heart from number one, the tragedy of losing his younger brother. And number two, seeing his beloved parents that had been so joyful, all of a sudden feeling, you know, seeing them go through a lot of suffering and that he did, it scared him. And Mm -hmm. that deep wound in his heart opened him up to turning to drugs and alcohol to escape the pain and the fear that he was experiencing. That's that's absolutely right. Painfully, and, painfully right. Yeah, and, and and that's what happens to a lot of young people, a lot of people, when there's tragedy. Um, when we have a deep wound like that, and there's fear and there's anxiety, and we don't understand how to cope with the pain of some of these things, we try to escape the pain by turning to to drugs and alcohol. So, so how did how did you manage this? Now, when it came to the light, finally, that he was struggling with these addictive type of behaviors, what did you do? Well, I think that the beginning was very, uh, very difficult. I questioned myself continuously, what what did I do wrong? How wasn't I able to see his pain and help him and stop this? I mean, it was a train wreck going down. When I found myself trying to help him, it was too late. Yeah. It was too late. He. Uh, by that by that time, he, he felt totally disconnected from us, and we began the route of treatments, therapeutic board in the schools, therapy, family sessions, you name it, psychiatrists, psychologists. We didn't skip any resource that was available to us to help him. And that's actually when I met you. I, I remember mm-hmm. meeting you you know, during that time frame, because when you and I met was probably around 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember you sharing with the, the group of women gathered for the rosary that, you know, you didn't know if he was ever going to come out of this life of addiction. And it was very mm-hmm. painful, but you, you were praying and you were trying to surrender all of these fears to God through the prayer of the rosary and, and other prayers. Yes, yes. It was those years when we met were very, very difficult. And I share, I will always share during my rosary prayer. I always ask for prayers. I believe deeply in the power of prayer. And I think those prayers are what held my husband and I together throughout all those years and never losing hope that we could bring him back. There, There would be a miracle, novena after novena, mass after mass, petition after petition, we never lost hope that he would uh, recover. Yeah. His addiction. And mm-hmm. he tried. Mm-hmm. He tried. Uh, those years were in the whole country, the crisis of heroin. Yes. The heroin addiction was rampant. Oh, and yes. heroin became available in every street corner, every corner of our country. I believe yes. it was, it was, the drug. It was accessible. It was cheap. It was, yeah. it was all over. And it's very, I mean, that's how, yeah. how I felt. It was all over the news. And it was, yeah. And it still is. Yeah. Yes. So, so you, you shared a little bit about seeking healing for yourself because you, you felt the need to go to confession. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, that's, that's where my faith was challenged. People ask me, have you ever lost faith? I never lost faith, but it was terribly challenged. I couldn't believe why God will allow us to go through this again. Yes. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yes. I couldn't, 
make sense of it. Right. I'm sorry, my voice is breaking. It's I okay. I think our listeners can understand why. <laughs> um, so it was very difficult. It was every morning I would wake up thinking, I'm going to lose, lose another son. I'm going to have to bury another son. And I don't know how I would be able to do that. So I was mad. I was getting discouraged. and But I didn't like that feeling. That's what I remember. I didn't... I don't mind being mad at God because we have a great relationship. He can handle it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but that constant fear in my heart and not trusting in him was uh, breaking me apart. So I felt the need to talk to someone that could guide me. And I went to confession. That's what seemed the, the right thing. And thank God it was. Uh, again, was I was guided by the Holy Spirit and Mary was holding my hand as I walked into that church that I looked like a mess. <laughs> and the priest listened to me very compassionately. I remember that sometimes he didn't, he couldn't say anything because he was heartbroken. For you. So, yeah. 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 And, and we remember that Christ is present in, this, in the sacrament of confession. So Christ was heartbroken for you. Not, yes. You know. And that's exactly what he said. He said, the priest said, God is heartbroken for you, don't, but don't stop trusting him. The opposite, trust him. He, he will get you through this. He will get you and your son through this. And he said, go to the Adoration Chapel and pray, pray. I used to go to the Adoration Chapel in, in college. I have to admit that I hadn't done Adoration in many years. So that was a gift, guiding me back to where I would find comfort. And uh, so trusting was a big, big challenge for me at that time. And so what I, again, one of the things I want to emphasize in, in this part of your story is that, so in the, in the wisdom of this priest, which is truly the grace of God, you know, Jesus Christ flowing through the priest to you, come and spend time with me, Teresa. Come and adore me. I am your God. I love you. I'm with you come and spend time with me in adoration and I will give you rest. I will give you strength. I will sustain you through this darkest time of your life. Right? Yes. yes. Jesus, I trust in you. Exactly. Exactly. That beautiful prayer. And um, San Faustina then became my best friend. I will be like, you, you'll get me through this. And I read her diary. And uh, since then, I am... Um, and adore. I go to other. I sign up for hours of adoration, and that was my saving grace. That so was my beautiful. Saving grace to endure the following two years that were devastating. Yes. Was, because Victor was a sudden death, and surrendering Arturo was a slow process. Yes. Yes. And so again, one final point before we go to our commercial break is that. In order to have trust in any relationship, we have to have a strong relationship with that person. Jesus Christ is alive and well, and he is found in the sacraments. And when we go and sit with him in adoration, when we can look upon the blessed sacrament and build our relationship with him, let him love us and heal us, let us love him and adore him, that trust grows because we are stronger in our relationship and we can trust that he knows where we're at, that he loves us and that he's going to be with us through it all. Amen. Amen. 
All right. Thank you for this part of your sharing. Please, um, it's time for a commercial break. Please don't go away. There's more to Teresa's story. And again, it's a story of hope in the midst of great tragedy. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident, and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 600488. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 600488. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm here with Teresa Oliveira, and she's been sharing her personal journey of faith and tragedy and loss and tremendous suffering. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, These years that you've just been sharing with us, Teresa, are the years of sorrow, as you called them. And yet, in the midst of it, you kept running back to the Lord, and you you kept seeking help from the church, and you kept going to the sacraments, and you went deeper into prayer. And so last, um, you were telling us how you started spending time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and you started adoring him and just trying to trust him more. Tell us more about what transpired um, during that time of grace. I love that you mentioned grace because that's exactly what I I think I got. Uh, The grace of trust in God, of knowing that whatever life will bring to us again, he will not leave us alone. He will give us what we need to continue. Yes. Um, And to continue living with grace because like I said, many people grieve all their lives. Yes. But I wanted to grieve with grace and uh, and never depart from from Jesus and and Mary. So that's what that what that's what came after those hours of adoration. That sense that I could trust God and he will lead me and lead Arturo our son more importantly to freedom, to peace and that was my hope. That's all I prayed for. For him to be happy, to be healthy, to feel peace in his heart. So Jesus led me to his mother and another another moment of grace. It was our feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe on December 12th. And I went to the shrine. And I remember kneeling there. It was a lot of people and very cold in Chicago in December. But I kneeled when I saw her image. And I remember just praying, Mary, please save him from more suffering because if he's suffering what i'm suffering and he has lost hope and and love for god and he's trying to fill his void with drugs and in the streets he'll never find peace so 
you are the only one that could guide him to find peace. And I was like, and if that means to take him to heaven, please do so. Take him with you. I'll give him to you. I'm not going to keep holding him here on earth because all I want is for him to be free of this of these chains that were binding him. him yeah, they were binding him in darkness and they suffering. They were binding him in darkness. And, uh, and evil was just embracing that. Evil I know. was all over him. And Arturo was such a beautiful guy. And uh, I, I could see how when he, Victor died, evil was like, okay, your fear, it's going to be a window for me to, to yeah. get into your heart. And, and so he did. So 40 days began another it's interesting because that was uh december 12th and the christmas went by and i didn't get to see arturo and it was many weeks without seeing him or or talking to him except a few texts which i knew he was in a very dark place and you knew i mean you shared with me that you know he had been in and out of rehab he had been living on the street he had been in jail for a while so a lot of suffering in his life a lot of suffering a lot of suffering in his in his short life uh, that he did not deserve yeah at all yeah so it was those weeks were awful and when christmas is coming i always think of that time in my life which is not long ago it always seemed like it was yesterday and i kept surrendering to god i kept just praying for for him to save Arturo, either to save him and bring him to recovery or to save him and bring it to him. Yes. Because if he's earth, he will never find peace if it wasn't by a miracle. Yes. I think all these years of suffering and prayer brought me to this place of surrendering where I was able to let go of him. Because Arturo, I think when his brother died, all he wanted was to be next to him. Yeah. Because he was... He was saved from I don't know how many car accidents and I don't know how many overdoses and um, yeah. his health was decaying and it was it was very sad to see him killing himself slowly yeah. and, and in so much suffering. So it was after a few weeks that he called and said he wanted to come and visit us and I was doubting if I wanted to see him in my mind. It was like if you're not sober, you should not come over. And because your sister is here, it's going to be painful for everybody. And he's like, no, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I want to come over. Thank God we let him come over. Because that was the last time we saw him alive. Mm-hmm. It was only four days before he was killed. And we had a beautiful evening. Mm-hmm. Praise I God. I remember telling my husband, we're not going to talk about how he looks or what is he doing. We're just going to love him and raise him and... And spend the night with him. Yeah. Trusting that God is taking care of him and we don't have to worry anymore. And so we did. It was a beautiful family dinner. We hug and kiss and say goodbye until we see each other again. Wow. It's a gift that I didn't have with Victor. Exactly. And with Arturo, yes, I was able to hug him. I even gave him a blessing. and Beautiful. Pour some blessed water on him. I always have blessed water all over my house. And yes. And so I put some on him and, and I said, okay, see you soon and stay well. He didn't look well. Yeah. He didn't look well at all. But he came home and he said how much he loved us. And he thank God to say that 
we have been amazing parents for mm. him. How precious. And, and that he was forever grateful for everything we did for him all the time and our perseverance. And it was like a goodbye. Uh, wow. It was like a good, he said that he was so sorry for all the pain that he had caused us to go through. And it was beautiful. I felt like, okay, he's on his way to recovery. Yeah. He's, he's maturing. He doesn't want to live this life. And looking back, yes, he was on his way to recovery because he found God. He, I have no doubt that God in his mercy embraced him Amen. and gave us a beautiful gift of being able to say goodbye in faith and in hope that we will meet again Amen. in a better place. What a precious gift. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The morning I, uh, my husband walked into our room. It was a Saturday morning. I remember when he woke me up, I was looking at him and I felt peace in my heart. I mean, he never wakes me up. So obviously it was something important. And I, I saw the pain in his eyes. Yeah. He said the police is looking for, um, for Arturo. They couldn't find him. They found his car, but they couldn't find him. And I said, and they're not going to. Oh my. Because Arturo is dead. I remember it you, was so clear to me. You knew. It was so clear to me. Maybe the way he said it uh, on how the police phrased it um, was what made me think that he was dead. Or it was just the peace that I felt at that time. And, and indeed, just a few moments later, the police knocked at the door and said that he had found his, his body. And uh, he, was, he died. He died of a wounded heart. <laughs> It was, uh, that's how I like to put it. Yeah. And that's in my heart, how we lost him. Yeah. A wounded heart. Um, a shot, a bullet went through his heart and killed him. But it was his wounded heart. Yes. That, that killed him. But I have no doubt that in that Saturday morning, I remember when the priest called me, he said, Teresa, you know that today is the feast of our queen of peace which is how we call our Medjugorje. Our Lady of Medjugorje is our Queen of yes. Peace. Yes. Which I prayed to her when we went to to the pilgrimage. And I think that was her gift. I think that was Mary's way of telling me, I heard you. I heard your prayers. And I have him. Mm, how beautiful. Here with me. And so despite the terrible loss and the pain, you had peace and hope in your heart that he was finally free of the suffering and with yeah. our Lord and with our lady. So what happened next as a gift from God to kind of affirm that feeling for you? Many blessings, many, many blessings. We will need another hour to talk about it, but most importantly, um, I always refer to this beautiful reading of Romans 5 that says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And it was our perseverance that brought us to never, never let go 
of our relationship with God. Yeah. Um, never let us give up on praying. And of course, I wish my son had received the miracle of recovery, but life gets in the way. Yeah. And like I always said, when life gets in the way, Jesus is always there to guide, there to guide us Amen. In, the, in the next direction. And uh, so my husband and I continue to live every day praising God because our hope is that we will meet again. And, and, and you will. Heaven, and we would like to get to heaven. Absolutely. Now, I know you, you prayed a novena to the sacred heart of Jesus. And there was some a beautiful gift at the end of that novena. Can you share that a little bit? Oh, sure, sure. I um, some people say you're crazy. I mean, he was a good guy. Well, for those of us who have faith and believe in the mercy of God, we also know that uh, living in sin and dying in sin may not bring you to heaven, but we trust in God's mercy. And I am like, okay, I'm gonna go a little bit. <laughs> beyond God's mercy and asking even for more. So in my prayer, in one of those first Friday devotions, I was reading how uh, the promises of the, this devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus and it's peace. And I, am, I need peace. I need peace for Arturo's soul. I need peace for, for us. And, and uh, so I'm going to do this novena. And it was the nine first Fridays novenas. I mean, nine First Friday is going to Mass and Holy yeah. Communion and all that. So yes. I I did. I did. And I remember it ended close to Thanksgiving and uh, that same year that Arturo died. And I I remember it was so beautiful. I was sleeping and in the middle of the night, a noise woke me up. It was like a very strong knocking on a door, but a very solid big door. And... and uh, I woke up and I said to my husband, someone is knocking at the door. And he's like, oh, okay, let me see. No, no, no one is knocking at the door. Oh, okay. So I went back to sleep and I heard that knocking on the door again. But this time when I woke up, I am like, there's no one knocking at this door in this house. That's heaven's doors. Uh-huh. So in my dream, I could perfectly see this huge wood door. I mean, like you imagine heaven doors yes <laughs> and i thought that's my son that's arturo walking into heaven his favorite song was uh, knocking into heaven's doors oh how beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and i immediately thought of that he was knocking on and he went through it how beautiful and that's uh that's the most beautiful gift i remember after he died feeling uh, that grace that he was at peace and since he was at peace we could be at peace too amen and i want to just emphasize that point because here you had a devotion to saint faustina to the prayer of the divine mercy chaplain and for anybody who doesn't know what that devotion is all about it is about calling upon god's mercy which is one of his greatest attributes because he wants to save everyone he doesn't want anyone to be lost and so when a mother who loves her son is praying for his salvation and praying for salvation do you think God is going to deny a mother's heart that gift? Never, never, ever, ever. So when, when Teresa shares this beautiful experience that she had, 
it's because she knows with confidence in her devotion to our Lord, devotion to the Divine Mercy, devotion to St. Faustina. These are promises that God has made through through St. Faustina that he will answer those prayers when we pray with trust that the people we lose that maybe are not in a state of grace, they will come to heaven through his mercy. So thank you for that beautiful sharing. Teresa, I can't thank you enough for coming on and just bearing your beautiful heart of love and sorrow and, and the ongoing grief that you experience of losing your sons, but always overlaid with that gift of hope and trust that you will see them again. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your witness. Thank you for allowing me to share. So Teresa, before we uh, bring the show to a close, um, I want to thank you again for your courage in sharing um, your story. Um, and I know it wasn't easy for you to get through this show. It's such an emotional and such a heart-wrenching story of loss of not one, but, but two children. But, but through it all, you clung to the Lord. And I know that recently something even more beautiful even has come about that you're using what you've learned through your grief to help others. Um, can you share a little bit about the group that you started? Grieving Graces group for mothers. It just started in August of this year and I'm loving it. I never thought that talking about my sons every week will bring so much uh, joy to my life because I feel as a grieving mother that sometimes we can be a burden to our friends or family members causing grief or worry to them when they hear us talking about our loss that after a lot of thinking I thought okay let's create a safest place where a safe place where moms grieving moms can get together and freely talk about their loss freely talk about their children how they miss them the the good memories the not so good memories and just enjoy it i mean as much as you can enjoy that conversation or that sharing but it's so healing so healing um to be able to share and all those thoughts that we have in our minds with other mothers that understand exactly and because you're not alone in this journey no. of grief sometimes as much as it feels that we are alone and indeed our pain to each of us is unique it doesn't matter how many similar things we can have with each, uh, with each other. Um, our pain is unique and our process is unique and our children were unique. Exactly. So this is just, I'm so excited. I'm excited <laughs> so for excited you. I'm excited that the Holy Spirit guided us. Um, it's a dear friend of mine who lost her son to brain um to a brain tumor 10 years ago. He was a guy full of life, a wonderful young man at the age of 29. He passed away just after um, getting married and, and started uh, his new job. And, and all of a sudden he got this diagnosed and died a few months after. So I feel blessed to be um, holding hands with this mother throughout these years. And now we are uh, grieving sisters. And we started this group in August, in the middle of the pandemic. We started uh, by getting together at a park. And just a couple of weeks ago, we couldn't handle the wind here in Chicago. It's so it's getting cold. And now we're Zooming. 
And I thought we were gonna lo lose a few moms because Zooming maybe is not comfortable. And everybody is Zooming. I'm and so happy. it's just beautiful. And we, the hour, it's 90 minutes a week and the hour and a half flies away. And what a gift. Away. And, and I, I feel like the people that will listen to us in the background or whoever is around in our homes while we're Zooming will think, is that really a grieving group? Because we are laughing and we're sharing and we're crying and we are, it's, it's, it's just uh, providing a safe place for, for moms it. to know that they, they don't need to do this alone. Oh, and I, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go to scripture. Um, in Romans eight twenty eight, we read, we know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And you, Teresa, are a woman who is living out that call in a beautiful way that you didn't allow the loss and the grief to put you in a corner in a dark place forever, but that now you're learning how to share that horrible, you know, story, but in a way that brings life and hope and strength to other moms who have also lost and grieved and, and will grieve um, probably for the rest of your lives. You, you know, that's a hole that yeah, doesn't really get filled, right? No. But that, you can do it with joy. It never goes away. You do it with joy and with friendship and what a beautiful with gift. grace. And with grace. We do it with grace. We That's our goal. Grief with grace. And it's always been the five stages of grieving that people are familiar with it. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And um, David Kessler just wrote a beautiful book about the sixth uh, stage of grief, which is meaning. And how interesting that I didn't know much about the book, and but that's where I am in my grief, giving meaning to it. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing <laughs> that part of your story. May God bless all of you who have heard this story with greater trust, greater hope, and greater knowledge that God's mercy is a gift. We simply need to turn to him and ask for it. He will see us through every storm of life. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. And until we meet again, I am wishing you all his fullness of life. Bye. Oh, Clement.